0: We have to go back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the low-key quarantine movie, uh, yeah. <laughs> The Cat in the Hat, the live-action 2003 film adaptation of the book of the same name. By Dr seuss
1: now we Mm -hmm. picked this movie because we're like oh we thought it was about boredom and like being like the book is about you know being inside uh and that's why we picked it and then it turns out there was that whole germ hand washing thing (sighs) and sometimes you just get lucky
0: i i audibly screamed i i texted grace and i said i what How there's just literally this giant sign that says employees must wash hands regularly, frequently. It was it was a freebie it was really a freebie uh so just to give you a bit of synopsis if you don't remember the 2003 live action cat in the hat it's a lot like the book in a lot of ways and also nothing like it in others uh so the synopsis that we read is like two bored children have their lives turned upside down when a talking cat comes to visit them uh and of course this premise is borrowed from the book uh so a little history on the book. The Cat in a Hat came out in 1957, uh, written and illustrated by Dr. Seuss. Uh, and this story opens up on two children who are stuck inside their house due to rain when their mother is out. Uh, and suddenly they get a visit from the six foot tall cat who is in a hat. The Cat in a Hat. And the cat, first name, last name, the and cat uh, offers to entertain them by performing various tricks to help them with his funny-looking assistants, Thing 1 and Thing 2, despite the objections of the kid's pet, Fish. Eventually, after the cat and the things end up making a mess of the house, the kids take control of the situation, and the cat makes up for it by cleaning the place right before their mother returns. And this was a beloved children's book. Uh, It was the first of his series of books uh, for beginning readers. Uh, Dr. Seuss had a real passion for making uh, literature that was challenging kids' ability to read more than just simple uh, kind of Dick and Jane type books. Uh, And so when the Grinch showed up, uh, as a live-action adaptation and became wildly successful, uh, they decided to go ahead and make The Cat in the Hat into a live-action movie. Now, they've had the rights since 1997, uh, but it was only after the guaranteed hit of the Grinch movie that they decided to move forward with this. Can't lose. You can't lose. Now, the making of this movie is just... They, they need to make a full documentary about it. Like I, I need to see this making up because it is absolutely fascinating so originally this was a vehicle for none other than tim allen Uh, tim allen was originally slated to be the cat in the hat and he originally hated the cat in the hat Uh, he said that the cat in the hat was a character that he described as uh the edge that scared me (laughs) So he wasn't a fan of the the book, like the source material, the the source material, the idea of a six foot tall cat busting into your living room, terrified Tim Allen. So he he was excited to um, go and play this character as kind of edgy. uh, But Santa Claus Two came a knocking and he ultimately left the project. Uh, But then uh, Mike Myers stepped into the role because he was. Legally obliged to make a movie for
1: Universal Studios. Oh, that's the best way to get someone to do anything. Yeah. So the scenes where he's contractually obligated, that was all method acting.
0: Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just decided to like, you know what, Mike, go ahead and get in costume for this one. (laughs) Uh, So basically, there was supposed to be a movie made from an SNL sketch
1: I didn't know Dr. Seuss was a writer for SNL. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so there is the SNL sketch called Sprockets, and it was a recurring comedy sketch where Mike Myers portrayed a fictional West German television talk show. Uh, the show parodied German art culture in the 1980s, and they were set to make a movie called Dieter uh, with Mike Myers. And it was supposed to be made into a movie, but like Mike Myers was dissatisfied with his own script and later basically told universal that he's not making the movie universal studios then proceeded to sue him personally for 3.8 million dollars in pre-production costs Uh, and he was with a second lawsuit from imagine entertainment and he didn't provide a screenplay so he was in some hot water and so basically the settlement was that he would just make another movie for the studio and along came the cat in the hat (laughs)
1: Does that mean he didn't get paid for this? That it was just like, we'll call it even if you do this? Uh,
0: from my understanding, yes-ish. Uh, because oh, th- this a lot of the history in the notes about this movie is that like Mike Myers was just not really pleasant on set. And it was just very difficult to make this movie. So there were just a tons of things that were not working in the favor of this film. Uh, and ultimately, it was... Uh, Released in theaters in in November of 2003 uh, with a budget of $109 million. It went on to make $134 million worldwide. Uh, It came in at just about $101 million uh, domestically. And so it was considered to be a flop so that happened uh and there were i mean right before the movie's release they were expecting to do a lot they were going to make a immediate sequel called the cat in the hat returns starring mike myers and it was going to follow that book but audrey geisel uh the the late spouse to you know dr seuss had complete control over dr seuss's estate for the rest of her life following her husband's death she was so dissatisfied with the film's uh, suggestive themes and adult humor that she announced and, and granted but she didn't also care for the Grinch's uh, you know adult humor as well but it wasn't as so um, a little more
1: over yeah it was yeah.
0: dialed up a lot this movie but she announced that there would be no further live action adaptations of her husband's work Uh, for the rest of her life. I
1: get that, though. Like, I completely empathize. So I feel bad for everyone involved to a certain degree because it's like you're excited for such an iconic movie and then for it not to do well. That's disappointing. You know, as actors, studios, cast, uh, all uh, crew, all of it. Uh, But then, like, Mike Myers doesn't want to be there. And it's... And that's fine under the circumstances, because I love Mike Myers. I think he's a great performer and all that. But imagine not wanting to do a job. You've been told you were going to do something else. They said, you have to be here or we're going to take you to court. And then like on top of all that, your face is covered in makeup every day and you have what is essentially a very warm onesie uh, that you will be in the entire time. Uh, That's really miserable. And then the disappointment of... The the Seuss estate to being like oh, listen no more no more and can you imagine like they're making a Charlie Brown movie and like here's the thing we got a fresh take on Charlie Brown he's gonna sell drugs and you're like hey, you know maybe no more Charlie Brown movies yeah that yeah. that you'd like yeah Schultz family that makes a lot of sense and so it's just um it's just not ideal I'd no. say not not what you yeah. want that's no. not what you want but. What do we say, Ricky? Every Every movie movie is is a miracle. miracle.
0: And we're going to pan for gold. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this movie had a clear tone in mind. I mean, uh, some of the writers, several of the writers from Seinfeld uh, were brought in to drastically rewrite this script with more adult jokes uh that dr seuss would never approve of for his children's stories uh and you're thinking a exactly, shell silverstein uh, that's the one. i'm a seuss phd <laughs> and they and so they were just they were trying to hit an older demographic and i will go into this later but like i think they kind of hit it i just think it wasn't timed well uh but the movie went on to uh even make a video game it's like a 2.5 the platformer mm. uh and you know i had a soundtrack that they mentioned uh but the cat in the hat would continue to live on um in other forms uh martin short uh is currently the voice of the cat in the hat uh in the pbs series the cat in the hat knows a lot about that mm. uh and it's been on the air since uh, 2010 so huh. it's the cat hat still lives on, and this was actually the directorial debut of Bo Welch. Um, it was his first and last feature film oh. uh, di- uh, director role, uh, but he was largely a production designer, which shows. That I mean, it makes so much sense. I mean, he he has worked on Thor. He even worked on Men in Black. Um, that and, also makes so much sense now okay <laughs> and he has stepped back into the directorial role with uh, a series of unfortunate events a series back in uh, 2017 on netflix which
1: uh, amazing production design as well so mm-hmm. yeah you can really see how that has influenced his uh his look
0: absolutely yeah and so that's kind of the uh, history and backstory about the cat in the hat uh, so this is my first time watching this movie from like beginning to end, but I feel like I've seen so many clips of this movie. Largely anytime I go to the doctor's office, uh oh. just through just throughout the last uh I, I guess like 10 or 13 years. Uh Cat in the Hat has just found its way to a screen at a doctor's office that I've been to uh more than once. So I've caught this movie in uh in a bunch of chunks oh gross oh uh, yeah i mean you don't want to catch the anything in a bunch of chunks <laughs> <laughs> yeah well,
1: you're in the right place
0: yeah uh but so here's the thing and this is why i'll say this movie wanted to be a lot of things i i was 100 enjoying the ride the literal ride that they were taking actual us on. Ride, the actual ride uh actual that ride. they plug in the movie yeah until the very end of the movie when mm. they just say, Well, you learned your lesson. I said, Excuse me, what lesson was learned here? Because <laughs> I'm all I get it, it's just a fun and games uh kind of adventure movie, but let's not kid ourselves. No lesson was learned here today. <laughs> no, I think the
1: lesson was you can never trust your neighbors.
0: Yeah, well, true.
1: Yeah. Especially tr- ones. Where they always come to your house, but you never go to theirs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. That's the lesson I that, gleaned from it. Yeah. You know what? I think we all did learn something today. Let, let, let me put it like this. Mm-hmm. At the time, uh, this felt like the right choice to make for a Cat in a Hat. Like, if you are going to make a... Uh, a Robin Williams genie-esque or Jim Carrey as the mask type character, or even, you know, Mike Myers as Shrek uh, just two years prior, like, you're going to get Mike Myers and this character of chaos and destruction is going to be this kind of lovable, break the fourth wall kind of character. In Mm -hmm. fact, if this movie were to be Disney's attempt, like, if you were to tell me that, like, hey, Disney's going to make Uh, a pg-rated deadpool the cat in the hat is that movie yeah like it it really is like he just makes so many references i'm just like oh oh okay
1: yeah and why does that feel so familiar to us on the podcast because we just watched a bugs bunny
0: movie yes we did yes we did and that that was something else i realized i'm like you know what I wonder if this movie would be any different if the cat was just a cartoon, like in movie mm. two back in action. Only because it was super fresh in my mind. I'm like, would this be any different? Would people have any other problems with it? But I don't know. No.
1: Like Humans so- with cat faces is a surefire win in cinema.
0: Every time, all the time. Mm-hmm. It's the right choice. Yeah. That being said, I was impressed with how they added Different elements to the story, and it felt like it wasn't a big distraction away from what the main story was.
1: I had not seen this movie uh, until this morning, and I here's the thing. I had heard it was bad, but I loved the Grinch so much that I wanted it to be good. Like I, like when it came out in theaters, I did not see it because I was like, oh, I don't want to be disappointed because I want it to be good so much, but the public opinion was, was against it. And so I figured if I never saw Cat in the Hat, it could remain both good and bad at the yeah. same time. So ultimately what I had was Schrodinger's cat in the hat. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and this is also like Mike Myers at peak Mike Myers. Like he just finished uh, awesome powers a gold member mm-hmm. uh, uh just the year prior. So I just think that at the time, this made sense. And it was right in the middle of the Shreckening. And people are thinking, most likely, hey, well, people like this PG-13 Mike Myers. Maybe we need to deliver a PG-13 Mike Myers in this very not PG-13 movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think, you know, ultimately, it was just maybe a victim of itself in the time. But I think that even a few years earlier or later, that this movie would be something that people would hang their hats on all right but now it's time for us to go into a segment that had a lot of planning i like to introduce our next segment which is called headcanon Head cannon. this next thing does not rhyme so headcan is a part of the show where we like to share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film um i think one of the biggest things uh i would i here's what i think could have saved this movie in one scene uh it just cuts to um michael jordan watching waking up from a dream <laughs> like was that real? no um <laughs> so uh but really i think it it would be like the kid because in the original story uh the the kid whose name keeps on changing um not coleman conrad uh, conrad yeah so conrad in the original Dr. Seuss book, Conrad does not have a name because mm-hmm. Conrad is the narrator. Mm-hmm. Uh, the narrator is remembering the time that the cat and hat showed up. Um, I think that it would have been interesting for that to be the root of the story, that basically. This is Conrad remembering this story very similar to the structure of Boss Baby where you Mm. have to wonder like, oh, well, is this real? Some of these fantastical things are happening, but maybe this is just his way of dealing with boredom or that time that his mother agreed that he wishes that he wasn't there, Um, which was just such a heartbreaking scene. Um, But I think that that could have been or at least that's my headcanon. My headcanon is that this is Conrad telling the story and that the older man is him in the future. Um, a like wonder that. years.
1: Yeah. Get Daniel Stern. My head cannon was, was real crazy, uh, for this at first. I just wrote the boss is actually their fish. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because for some reason, Sean Hayes plays both of them. Um, And then uh, it makes sense that uh, the director also did – Uh, That was he was involved with Men in Black and all that because I was like, oh, Frank, because when Nevins runs out, he goes to a doghouse. The doghouse is is that dog and it says Frank over it. So I was like, oh, so this is in the Men in Black universe. Wow. Uh, So that answers everything. The cat is an alien. It explains the weird stuff with the red box and all that. It's Like, great. Clean and tidy. But Ricky, Ricky. Uh huh. Can I call you Ricky? Oh, yeah, sure. I could not help myself because the cat in the hat is actually old Willy Wonka. Go with me on this. You got top hats. You got musical numbers. You got stuffy henchmen. You got excessive contracts, uh, putting children in danger. That's all classic Wonka. You got the slow car, the dirt machine, the cupcake-inator, very Wonka. And wow. um, my thought is that Wonka was transformed while testing a new type of candy for cats. Uh, just like all of the people who went through the factory got, you know physically deformed in some way. This was just an irreversible wow. cat candy. Thing 1 and Thing 2, obviously, are Oompa Loompas. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also probably why one of Thing two's alternate names is Chocolate Thunder. So oh. it's just... Fits wow. right in and it explains the bright colors. So in the world, I think what you're seeing is kind of like with uh, the Tarantino universe. They're like, oh, because of their violent history, they have more violent movies, all that. I think because Charlie now runs the factory – Um, Mm -hmm. He has opened the doors, spread cheer. You naturally have a brighter, happier world that is more locked into that time period, even though it still advances technologically to get like palm pilots and stuff. Um, And so you have that going on with the color scheme. Uh, You also have uh, the real icing on the cake was the kiosk that they run into that takes them down to the dance club. Mm -hmm. that every parent was going to have a problem with, um, takes them down to the dance club. Uh, There's an ad on the outside of that kiosk that is uh, an ad for an extermination company, and it just says, Squirrel Problem? And if you'll remember, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, (sighs) there's an entire room of squirrels uh, that tests for the bad nuts. And so that's just one more little Easter egg in there. Uh, except not an egg. Nuts in this case. And wow. um, so if you're keeping track at home, that means that for the Wonka canon, uh, it goes Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, yes. slash you know, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Mm-hmm. You got the Chocolate Factory uh, story. Then you have Spy Kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> Cat mm-hmm. in the Hat, then Snowpiercer.
0: So that's kind of yes. the
1: order in which to watch the
0: Wonkaverse. Wow. See, that makes all the sense in the world. That's how it happened. I, uh, I, I'm I, so sorry, Grayson. I don't accept that as headcanon. I accept <laughs> that as canon. It's just canon canon. Oh, that is incredible. I love it. I absolutely love it. All right, now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes. Recast. or remakes. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Uh, I honestly think I would love, like, a you know, pending um blessing from the estate, um, and you know, someone just pleads with whoever is of the Seuss estate, um, that this is live action. I think mm-hmm. that it it should be um, you know, basically Looney Tunes back in action where it's it's a hybrid either so one of two things. It would either be animated, the cat would be animated in the Doctor Seuss style because I really love the way they did the opener. That was all in the Dr. Seuss style. I'm like, that's amazing. Oh, so the open was great. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and so I think that that would be fun to just bring about this really cartoon-like world um, to this uh, reality. And I think that that would be fun. Yeah. Um, I honestly think if they did something along the lines, like, I'm just really just blending all the movies that we have recently reviewed together. Uh, if they did the cartoon world. Uh, But mix it in with uh, Little Monster, where the more Conrad is being mischievous, he is actually becoming a cartoon. Oh, yeah. Um, Get Daniel Stern. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so it just basically that's the thing. It's just like, hey, listen, like cartoons are fun, but you're a person with responsibilities and make it a story about humanity and. How chaos is the answer. I think that that would be a really fun uh, recasting and uh, remaking of this. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I love blending more
1: of the Sue style because it's so distinct. Even the lines yeah. on Conrad's shirt. You're like, oh, yeah, it's got like a Lorax feel to it. Yeah. Um, but for the recasting remake. So I recasted my first recasting was for the director. And it's so close. Jordan Peele. Oh, Jordan, sorry. Peele, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, they do say get out several times in this movie. Um, but I, I would like to see Tim Burton's take on this. So I was still in Charlie oh. mode, but, um, okay. yeah, because if you look at the design, it's just a few degrees separation with the whimsical neighborhoods, over the top costumes, mischievous supernatural characters. Like there's a lot of similarities. There. Alec Baldwin, um, <laughs> I mean, he has a very yep. Beetlejuice vibe to him, and I think you could you could lean into that. Um, but I do think it feels like it's in the same uh, world as the Grinch. Like the, the mouth treatment of the cat and Thing 1 and Thing 2 are very similar to the Who's. Um, so I see why it needed to stay somewhat cohesive there. Uh, but if they were to remake this script um, with some doctoring, uh, I would uh, for the for mom for Joan uh, the Kelly Preston character. I would love to see Julie Bowen. Julie Bowen for. The kids, uh, it was really interesting seeing you know Spencer Breslin and Dakota Fanning. Um, I feel like when we were growing up, like they were the kid act, they were the season one Luke from Modern Family for everything for all time, uh, really, all time. Um, and I think you could do uh, like an updated version of this where you have another, you know, set of uh kids or Actors that also have famous siblings. Uh, so I got Chris Hemsworth and Elizabeth Olson. Um <laughs> they're chameleons, they'll just play down. But you know, they got famous brothers and sisters, and that was really my only criteria for recasting Breslin and Fanning. Um, yeah. and then uh for the cat, you know, it's a big piece, really big character. Uh, I went two ways with it. So I did not know that Martin Short played the cat in the hat in the animated series i just put martin short down because i thought he would be great absolutely Um, so i'm glad i agree with hollywood (laughs) um but uh if we don't do that oh i also thought because of looney tunes back in action steve martin would also be really fun and he could do more of like a classic cat in the hat it would be a fun experience i think to see him and it keeps it in that kind of snl realm of all, all of these performers uh but then um just while we were talking, I thought of this, and it's what I actually want to happen. Um, I want *Cat in the Hat*. Um, you can take it so many different ways. You can make it, you know, for adults. You can make it musical. You do all that. All I really want is for *The Cat in the Hat* to be played by Ricky Gervais. His only costume piece is like those cat ears. That you kind of phone in uh, on Halloween. You like put the headband on. But other than that, it's just like a black shirt, jeans, whatever. Just Ricky Gervais. Um, I want The Fish to be voiced by Stephen Merchant. Um, And I want Thing 1 and Thing 2 to be Warwick Davis and Carl Pilkington. I just want the whole uh, Ricky Gervais world to collide with Cat in the Hat. And they're like, you think it was for adults before? Uh, Double down. Let's question our existence while we're at it. Um, And I I would love to see that. For an expansion of the Seuss universe, which clearly there was like a feel towards that, I I think. It was like, all right, we got live action Grinch. We got live action Cat in the Hat. It would have made sense to keep going like they did in the animated realms where you had like Horton here's a Who and the Lorax and the remake of The Grinch. If they had gone live action, I would have loved to see, you know uh, Fox and socks and the places you'll go. And all of these really great with characters leading them, like Robin Williams in the places you'll go would have been incredible. Oh. um, and just like leading you through, like I'm welling up thinking about a movie that was never made. Um, wow. it just that'd would have be been so incredible. great. Um, and then I, I, think you round that out with green eggs and ham, except my casting on this non-existent green eggs and ham remake, mm-hmm. be, it's all live action. Um, it's really only two main characters in that story. But in this, you would have Donald Glover and Danny Glover as the two characters <laughs> in Green Eggs and Ham. And Donald Glover's just trying to get Danny Glover to try some Green Eggs and Ham. Wow. That's it. That's all I want. And that would be your trilogy. You'd, you'd have the Grinch. You'd have Cat in the Hat. And Glover and Glover in Green Eggs and Ham.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I think... That if we do see just that casting anywhere, um, someone's going to owe you a check, Grayson. That's, uh, that's incredible. Now we're going to go into our final segment where we like to give you reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend The Cat in the Hat? I
1: recommend Cat in the Hat because, uh, the, honestly, the production design is stunning. And this, um, it does walk that line between like spy kids and the Tim Burton feel, and uh, I got a lot of like uh, Edward Scissorhands vibes in the the suburbia elements of it. Um, but the production design is great. I love the bright colors, the way that the the color is used to make you feel certain ways about certain characters, the switch from like Alec Baldwin as he presents himself to uh, Kelly Preston to when he's like himself is really great. The use of that, her job, like everything being green at work. I, I really appreciated the attention to detail. Um, And really that sets, props, costuming becomes a character in and of itself. Um, And I just really enjoyed being in that world. And even from the, the opening titles, like we were talking about, it sets that aesthetic really well. Um, And everything is designed to transport you visually into the world of Dr. Seuss. That, to me, is really the saving grace of this movie that has a lot of problems script-wise. I thought Mike Myers' performance of the cat was actually really great. Um, I thought that it was larger than life, especially understanding... You know, if you want lightning to strike twice with the Grinch, it was like, yeah, Jim Carrey was perfect for that. Uh, get Mike Myers to do a similar thing, especially as he's transitioning from Austin Powers to Shrek. And if this had done well, we easily could have seen a Robin Williams uh take on a classic uh, Dr. Seuss character. Like, I understand the formula. It just went a little too far on the mature jokes. Um, And I. I think parents didn't want to show their kids the movie, which is really the only thing you need in a kid's movie, is the kids have to understand it and like it, and the parents have to be comfortable having their kids like it. It's uh, it's unfortunate that it happened the way it did. I really enjoyed watching it, especially in the context of this podcast. I don't know how I would have felt about it when it first came out. If I had seen it then, I, I, I would have really wrestled with it, but... Uh, I still don't recommend it for kids, to be honest. I don't. But (laughs) for parents who, uh, you know, you like Mike Myers' style and um, all the characters he can play, and you just want something that's visually very appealing, um, at least to me, I recommend Cat in the Hat. And for us, Ricky, I think it's just been way too long since we had a Smash Mouth finale, and uh, we got one. We got one today, yeah. and yeah. all is right in the world again, yeah. um, except it's not, but it's a start. So yes. watch
0: Cat in the Hat. Absolutely. Yeah, I would recommend the live-action Cat in the Hat movie because uh, they're, it's still fun, I think. Um, it, it catches you off guard a lot, uh, which kind of adds to the yeah. fun of it. It's just like, oh my gosh, they're really going for it. I would recommend watching it for uh, Mike Myers' performance, uh, the world that they build, uh, so many practical sets and effects, and it's just really fun. Um, And if you are a fan of Dr. Seuss, um, maybe don't expect to get that from this movie. (laughs) Uh, I, I uh, I think that is something that maybe it's hard it's hard because like you it's the cat in the hat it's like it's like going it's like if you replace the cat in the hat with mickey mouse you would be like what movie am i watching right now is that that's not mickey mouse um and i think that that was kind of people's expectation with it but like you said if you go in knowing that you are going to be watching uh mike myers take on the cat in the hat then you're gonna have a lot of fun Um, And just know that it's probably not uh, for kids, but uh, it is still Seuss inspired. And uh, I'm just going to borrow a quote from uh, the live action Seussical. Uh, Oh, the things you can think. Oh, the things you can think if you're willing to try. And this movie tried and they tried something that I think would have fit better uh, at a different time or if they just made a couple adjustments. Oh, the things you can think when you think about Seuss. And that is our review of the 2003 live action movie, The Cat in the Hat. Let us know what you remember about The Cat in the Hat movie on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks, And it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice. It does a lot for the podcast, and it helps people to know that this is the podcast where cats are free to wear whatever they want mm. um hats are just offered um but mostly that they are fed if you could leave us a rating and review on a scale of one to five um i'd say for this movie cooking show segments oh i thought it was just gonna be things you got uh, you know one, what thing two See, think three. I, I was thinking too hard about it i think that's the one On a scale of one to five things. Yeah. One to five things. Yeah. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind.
1: Hey, that rhymes.
0: Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. You know, Grayson, actually, I mean, very surprisingly, there is going to be a new movie release this next week get out of town i mean i would but i can't so instead uh with scoob the scooby-doo animated movie being released on video on demand we are also gonna watch a mystery with clue
1: oh there's like gonna be a lot of jokes about this person in that place with this thing i can't wait <laughs>